Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. We're just chugging out a bunch of shows these days, working hard, stuck at home. Um, but yeah, this is a super fun one with my boy um, at Permable Nino. His name is Jordan, a great on-chain analyst and, uh, and thinker in the space. It's always fun talking about Decred, and every time we bring on a Decred guest or or some sort of uh, middle ground altcoin guest, it always turns into like a three-way face-off between me, Christian, and the guests. And so that's kind of what happened here. And it's always kind of interesting looking at where those lines are between uh, between each person. Um, so this is a pretty fun conversation with Permable Nino. But before we get into that, let's go through our sponsors. Our first sponsor, you guys know who it is, it's eToro. I think David and I both were just interviewed by the eToro team. So you can find our beautiful shining faces on the eToro USA Twitter account and their YouTube soon when they release our questions about the happening and a bunch of other things that are happening in the crypto space. eToro has been doing an absolutely fantastic job of just advocating for crypto and creating a really amazing crypto first platform to buy and sell and trade all of your favorite cryptocurrencies, and most importantly, help you take your own custody of your Bitcoin and your Ethereum using their exchange. Uh, you guys know they have all the features that, they, that you want. You can stack sats, you can index invest, you can copy trade. Use eToro as a one-stop shop for all your crypto needs. B.TC backslash eToro POV. That is our link. I'll spell it to you again. B period TC backslash eToro POV. If you are building something on Ethereum that is going to manage users' funds, you need to get that something audited. Work with a company that can audit your contract to make sure that your contract doesn't have any bugs or exploits and keeps your users' funds safe. Go to quantstamp.com and check out their uh, list of services and previous satisfied customers such as Chainlink, MakerDAO, even eToro, and a number of other smaller projects like Sablier and Pool Together. At Realty, we are hard at work building really cool stuff on Ethereum. And when that's ready to go, we're going to send it to Quantstamp to get audited and make sure that we did it right the first time. So thank you, Quantstamp, for providing that service to Realty. And also, thank you for being a sponsor of the pod. Last but not least, one of my favorite companies in the space. I got a lot of friends at this company and I absolutely love their products. It is Unchained Capital. First and foremost, Unchained Vault. They make it super, super easy for you to use your own multi-sig without having to go through any sort of complicated process. That's right. You can secure your Bitcoin with multi-sig super easily using Unchained and they even add on a lot of awesome other services that they dub collaborative custody. It feels like a traditional bank account, but you always have full custody of your assets and your Bitcoin is never rehypothecated. Like a regular bank, they will take your money, they will give it somewhere else, they're gonna loan it out. Unchained Capital keeps that shit on chain, locked up, and like I said, always in your custody. The same is true for their vaults. When Bitcoin moons, when this craziness is over, you're going to want to get liquidity on your Bitcoin. You don't have to sell. You can get a loan with Unchained Capital. You give them Bitcoin. They put it in a three or a two of three multi-sig. You hold a key. A third-party auditor holds a key. They hold the third key. Again, that Bitcoin never moves, never rehypothecated. You get USD. 
You can use that to go on vacation. You can use that to work on a project or whatever. When you're making a ton of money back, when that Bitcoin continues to moon, you just pay it off and you get your coins back. Really a nice one-two punch and they're coming out with even more fantastic products. So get stoked. Unchained-capital.com is the website at Unchained Cap on Twitter. Check them out. And without further ado, Permable Nina. How's everyone's Monday going? Going good, man. Just uh, usual shit. Pretty much just staying out of the line of fire at this point. The world is uh, an interesting place and just uh, making sure I get only keeping money to fiat that I can afford to lose. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. I don't think USD is that bad these days. Yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding. You gotta, I mean, you got to keep your crypto and then you got to keep your fiat and then everything else is... Uh, can get fall by the wayside as far as I'm concerned. My theory about everyone's rush to fiat is that it's not only a rush to fiat, right? But it's a rush to buy stuff. So like people are buying actually things with actual intrinsic goods. Yeah. It's just that it's, it's the US dollar that is the thing that buys that. So like we're, we're, you're not actually rushing out. Like crypto didn't crash to, to sell to the US dollar because people wanted dollars. Crypto crashed because people wanted to like buy food and groceries and toilet paper. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, they want liquidity. Analysis? Yeah, they want liquidity. Yeah, yeah so I true. guess they, they do want the dollar. Well, what was really interesting is I actually listened to a Mike Novogratz. Uh, he was on a, off the chain with Pomp the other day, and he was like, basically, like if you haven't hadn't already sold before this like massive sell off, like you're a little bit late to the party, anyways. Right. So it's really what'll be really interesting to see is that obviously it looks like Bitcoin's kind of like attempting to decouple. I know a lot of people are, are like kind of cracking up at the decoupling meme right now, mm-hmm. but I think there are some serious, uh, there's like a serious undercurrent for that to potentially happen. So I guess we'll see if that happens. Um, but, you know, I, I guess we'll see. I don't really know. I'm, I'm willing to bet that if, if the equities markets take another huge downturn, like another week of just like, you know, minus five to 10% days, then all of crypto returns to having a very high correlation. Before I jumped on yeah, the pod exactly. um, from one of my buddies and, you know, basically it was like the, the three step stages of a bear market is like one is the initial sharp drop off. And then it's like the, the move up a little bit, like mean reversion a little bit, but then it's like back to sideways and then you get one more disgusting leg down. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm starting to think maybe is that uh, the government steps in with some hard fiscal policy, you know, just like something like, oh, like UBI, give people some money, put some money in their hands. Businesses are struggling. You know, they're trying to keep the doors open while not laying off their employees and stuff like that. We'll get that back to like mean reversion at least for a second and get sideways. And then we'll just get one more sharp leg down, I think. I think right. we're, we're deep enough into the show We and, and letting we everyone get into the live stream. Let's do a quick intro for Jordan. Uh, you guys are watching pov crypto uh the ck snark currently censored on twitter you got david hoffman and then we got a new guest a new friend to the pod jordan at uh permabel nino i'm a new fan of your pod uh and super excited to have you on man love it appreciate it uh thanks for having me i feel like uh pov and rough consensus are kind of like uh relatives in terms of like podcast podcast style and approach so mm-hmm. uh, it, it's an honor to be on the show and uh kicking it with the squad oh thanks man i like to think that we trailblazed uh, this category th- <laughs> this new category in crypto podcast which is the like not echo chamber podcast mm-hmm. It's not only not echo chamber, what you guys really have going for you that's like very off the cuff, like off the cuff conversational, you know, because you look around in the space, there's a lot of different podcasts and a lot of them are kind of like aiming to be insanely, insanely professional. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I think sometimes people like to just tune into just like a casual conversation with some dudes like, you know, like I think what me and Checkmate and, uh, and Mr. Black try to go for on our podcast is like, 
make it seem like it's just a couple of dudes just hanging out on the couch drinking beer and just like shooting the shit talking crypto um and i feel no, like you're totally right yeah that's anyway. that's a everyone wants everyone wants to just like have that as like a social element right like everyone wants to kind of just feel included in the conversation but also be able to be in the gym like working out at the same time Cool. Well, I'm sorry to, you, you were doing some pretty deep analysis there. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, you're talking about like, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a pump from stimulus and then just keep going back down. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can just, I, I, in general, I was actually talking to my dad on the phone about this whole situation. Cause you know, he's, he has equities and I think he's a little, I mean, just like a lot of other people, you know, my dad's like 60. It's actually his birthday today. Um, he's like, birthday. like, every, yeah, happy birthday, uh, Pops. But I think like everybody else, he's a little bit spooked. But yeah, my whole point that I was just kind of getting into is I think when you get that uh, that UBI announcement, which I think is basically pending, impending, it's like going to happen. Otherwise, I'd be, I mean, I'd be shocked if it didn't. You know, for example, my landlord actually sent me an email today lowering my rent for this month. Um, That's cool. So, you know, things are starting to get into a crunch phase, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in that, you know, it, may, it might be in the particular place I live in. I think... Uh, a couple guys accidentally replied all. I don't think they, they use email very much instead of just replying directly. They've replied all to everybody and they were just like, yeah, my business is struggling. Like, thank you so much. Like, I really appreciate it. So, you know, shit is getting real out there for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. I totally agree with you that this, whatever this UBI thing that's coming is pending. They said that they're going to send out $1,000 per U.S. citizen to for every adult. And then Bernie Sanders is on the other side saying that that is the minimum. Like that is almost nothing. You need to send $2,000 a month per, per U.S. adult. And yeah. so probably where we end up is somewhere in between these two spectrums. Um, yeah. But I think I think the, the impact of the 08 crisis has, you know, after that, those 12 years, people have realized that they can fairly ask the question, how come I didn't get bailed out? And now that Andrew Yang was, uh, you know, just pushing this narrative forward for the past year, uh, everyone is feeling comfortable asking this question. It's like, hey, where's my bailout? Yeah. Well, you know, you get to the point, you know, I was watching uh, CNBC yesterday and the like movie theater business industry or something like that is asking for a bailout too. what you really start to realize with this whole thing that's going on, you know, in crypto, because it's public data, it's public blockchains, you know, when things are happening a certain way, you know, for example, this dump off the hash rate, I think from its all time high for Bitcoin went down 40% or something like that. We constantly know what's going on. And I feel like for us, that's become our normal. But when it comes to the government, there's so many layers, there's so much, there's such a it's not, the, I was about to say the opposite of transparency, which is past. It's just like historically very opaque. And we're starting to see like basically like the government, like this is the most transparent I feel like I've seen things ever in terms of like how these large institutions work. And you start to really realize like, Jesus, this shit is just like completely out of control. And you know, in terms of like your comment about Bernie Sanders, it's, you know, one thing you start to think of is like, this is going to start getting political. They're like getting up the UBI level, right? So like, it's going to be higher than the 1004 that I think mm-hmm. some of the Republicans are trying to set just because this shit is starting to get really political because, you know, it's a, it's also an election year too, right? So when you get down to November, people are going to be like, listen, I fought for you. Instead of bailing out Wall Street again, which they fucked all this up again, um, you know, with all these companies doing stock buybacks, it's just like that didn't have the cash flows. You know, like the fact that we talked about this on Rough Consensus the other day, I mean, the fact that airlines are going to get bought out, you know, airlines are like, you do need those businesses. You know, people like to travel and fly, right? But the fact that they're historically shitty businesses to invest in from like a, a return perspective, if you compare it to the S&P, I think like I looked at Delta's 10K the other day and they drastically underperformed the S&P. They actually showed a chart and I'm like, I don't know why you put this in your 10K, but 
I guess it's just like full transparency and that's the point of the report. All these things are just like building up and building up and you start to really realize where like where the weakness is. So if there's anything good that comes out of this, you really, I mean, we'll see. Cause you know, everyone thought after 2008 that, you know, we've cleaned the shit up and it seems like basically the world just doubled down on pre-existing issues. Right. So we'll see what happens. I, I it's, this one is just popcorn time. And I think for any sane human being, you know, you just need to be like mentally and not mentally, mentally, physically, and financially prepared for whatever comes next. You know, for me, uh, you know, we were cracking jokes. I was like, uh, like only hold the fiat that you can afford to lose, but you're like, give me shit. You're like, I don't know about that. The dollar's looking pretty uh, strong these days, which it is good. So you need to make sure you have enough of like a little bit of everything. But I will say, and I think you guys will agree with me, the crypto public transparent ledger uh, digital scarcity uh, bull thesis is about as strong as it's ever been. And, you know, also like we talked about this a little bit on rough consensus the other day. I think this recent flush down in terms of Bitcoin, at least might be like a rebirth in terms, in, in some sense. We just flush out a lot of leverage out of the system. Um, and then you get the minor reset you get the, and you basically just shook out all the weak miners before a supply shock, right? But you know, most people were nervous going into the having the weaker, the weaker miners were going to be the ones who dragged on the price when the block rewards couldn't support their operations anymore, right? So now that you've flushed all those guys out, you fundamentally might have two different undercurrents that are pushing the crypto space, which, you know, because Bitcoin is big daddy, no matter which way you want to call it. I know we're all like, you know, Dave is a, an ETH bull and I'm a Decred bull. But like at the end of the day, you know, Bitcoin really is like the undercurrent pushing a lot of these ships. Bitcoin will bring in the liquidity because it's the most liquid. It'll bring people in. And then from there, it'll expand. And I think this is my personal opinion now. Earlier this year, one of our first pods we talked about how I thought altcoins were about to have a run based on like uh, on-chain transactional flow uh, patterns over time. Like uh, there's a lot of fractally patterns you can look at. Like, for example, I think Digibyte has like this pattern that is just like oscillating every time it hits like a transactional low it's just like taken off after that i think what we're gonna end up having instead of like a full-blown alt season what it might end up being is that you just get like a serious flight to quality in crypto um but you know we'll, we'll see what happens but i think overall the whole situation this is the most excited i've been about crypto since i got in in 2016 which I think the the first the the other time I'm talking about the most I was excited I was was when I figured out why Bitcoin and not blockchain. Um, once you understand why you need an incentive, uh, a digital incentive token, go into the public ledger. That's like the aha moment because you know otherwise and I don't know when you guys got in the space, but like 2016 it was all blockchain. And as an accountant, I was like, what the fuck? Like I don't understand why you need the Bitcoin token. Wait, wait, so wait, let's take a quick pause. I think yeah. I'm sure this is a great story. Um, yeah. We should definitely talk about your history as an accountant, um, yeah. but I definitely want to chime in real quick on the coronavirus. Oh, uh, yeah, I can see that Sorry. you're excited. I remember listening to that podcast uh, and you guys were, were, were quite excited to see how things shake out, but I'm honestly yeah. scared because I, I see like the coronavirus is kind of like uh, exponential thing, but so are the losses that are happening to the deleveraging of our system, Right. We're all yeah. living in this hyper leveraged world right now. Like we're essentially all operating on hundred X leverage. Like that is the planet, but we're deleveraging really fast. And like, I honestly have no idea what that's going to do to Bitcoin because I think that people who never, ever, ever thought that they were going to sell Bitcoin are going to get forced to sell Bitcoin. Like I not the very first time I ever thought about when's a good price for me to sell some of my Bitcoin was in the last three weeks. Oh, really? That. Hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I am conservative as fuck. 
Like I, I save a lot of money. I'm in a way better position than I know 99% of people. So if I extrapolate that out to everyone else and then how leveraged they are and the situation they must be in and then their landlords and then their, how leveraged are their landlords, you know, this shit is going to hit the fan in such an incredible way. I have no idea what it's going to mean for anything. Yeah. No, I, I, and at the same time, like the coronavirus is, we haven't even talked, talked about the bottom hemisphere of the world yet in terms of the Corona conversation. So like, you know, the U S is on pause and with the U S it's moving into South America and then it's moving into Africa and you know, the entire global, the entire global economy is going to be hard stopped. We don't know what happens at that point. I think that's the scariest part about it. To y'all's point is that uh, the level of uncertainty, nobody really knows what's happening next. And, you know, Christian, to your point, if you, if you have hodlers selling, I think the number one thing to focus on though, in my opinion, um, I can't remember. It's like that somebody, uh, Glassnode, like published a chart that I think came from one of Tor Demeester's old um, analytical posts. And it basically showed during this, even during this drawdown though, right? People were net buyers. You know, all, I think what was really happening was just a gigantic deleveraging of a lot of big institutional players, honestly. Um, I'm not talking about this back last drawdown. That was all new coins. We know that. I understand that narrative. But yeah. I'm saying, let's talk about the long haul now. Let's talk, about, let's talk about four or five months, no jobs. People in the Senate can't get their shit together. People are angry. Landlords can't kick their people out. They're not getting paid. No one's getting paid. Are these... You know, are people going to, are these strong hands going to be that strong? We're going to find out, I think. Well, I mean, let's call it what it is, right? If you don't have a choice and all you have left is to sell your Bitcoin, you're going to sell them. It's not even having a strong hand or not, right? Um, Like if you don't have a choice, you're going to sell. Like, I mean, I know if it's food or Bitcoin, I'm selling my Bitcoin. Um, I mean, I think we might get there. Like that's, does that sound crazy? But I think that people are going to get to that point. It won't be food. It's going to be rent. It's going to be other obligations first. Like, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It all is in the same bucket, right? Mm -hmm. It's not crazy, but uh, as you can tell by the name permable, I am the eternal optimist, obviously, but obviously in these situations, it probably doesn't probably helps you to be more cautious, but um, I think we will get to a point where the curve gets flattened. I think, you know, these type of things, these breakouts always, uh, I mean, not, not always, this is the first time this has like happened to this, uh, to this magnitude, I think in anyone's lifetime, um, that's on the planet right now. Uh, I think there will be a flattening point, but I, one thing I will say that did scare me a little bit is, uh, I remember this guy's Mark Brevin, I think, I think he's a crypto guy, actually. Um, he's gotten really into the coronavirus stuff and, you know, apparently since China, let down their guard a little bit, there's been like a little bit of an uptick in new coronavirus cases. So if it's one of those things that just doesn't go away, then it might just be full on Armageddon. But, you know, another thing that we all need to talk about is uh, at what point do people not going to work and losing their jobs and starving to death, what point do more people die shutting everything down from like a financial and business perspective compared to just a pet, potentially, I know it sounds scary, potentially just going herd immunity on this whole thing. And once we get the, the medical infrastructure built out, which, you know, is happening in a big way in like cities like New York, which are getting hit particularly hard. Like my brother just, my brother fled the city and he's like in quarantine. And um, I know multiple people who have. Yeah. So New York, I think the number one biggest thing that we need right now is the medical infrastructure build out because that way, if there is an uptick and, you know, we start seeing upticks again, you know, after we hopefully flatten the curve on this first wave, 
we're, we're actually prepared for it, you know, because, you know, they've been talking about it. The medical system was not built for this shit. Right. There are, there are 2.4 ICU beds for every 1,000 adults in America. Like that's, we were already over that in coronavirus alone. David knows the stats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. David is the crypto guy. He's really into Corona. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's horrifying. Did did I see you on the other day teasing with the idea of just going herd immunity on this bad boy? Oh yeah, that was me. Yeah, that was me. But then then people said that we don't actually know if you can't, if you can catch Corona twice or not. Like we think we we might be able to do that. Uh, I I totally agree with you. There's two types of Corona. There's two types of this virus and you can catch both of them from what I've heard, and I've also heard that the most severe one can have lasting effects on your lungs. So even if yeah. you are a young person, you're going to survive, right. it, it might still affect you. That uh, uh, corona extra, huh? Getting, getting that extra capacity <laughs> yeah, extra in and light system <laughs> yeah. is, is really, really important because that's, that's the thing that like, so like when we all get out of quarantine, there is 100% going to be in a, a resurge of coronavirus. But if we have at the same time cleared out our beds of, from that peak, like you said, and then at the same time, we also have more capacity, we'll be able to handle that next wave better. So yeah. people can go to work anyways. But there yeah. are going to be a lot of sick people in America over the next eight months. Like we're going to, the hospitals will be 100% full of sick people over the next eight months in America. Yeah. And the rest yeah. of the world. The rest of the world. And that might need to be priced. That might need to be priced into crypto. You know, um, we'll see. Um, but you know, it's going to come down to two things, right? Detection or prevention. Detection is basically after the fact and fixing the issue once you get sick, or it's prevention, which is the virus. Mm-hmm. I mean, coming up with a vaccine, right? So the vaccine. Let's call it what it is. The vaccine's a fucking year out. Like more people. People are getting excited about a vaccine. Like you should forget about that. What we two need years. is is care. We right. need stuff that when you actually get sick, we can uh, take care of it. If that's what needs to be handled right now. And I think from the government's perspective, them doubling down on that type of stuff, like, you know, building out beds, build, you know, I think they're like renting out like school buildings and stuff like Hospitals. that. That are, yeah, because I think in New York City, oh, excuse me, hotels. Yeah, New York City, I'm pretty sure they've called off school for the rest of the year for like, yeah. you know, kids that are like in middle school and elementary school and high school. Um, not, they, they haven't called it officially, but they're like, we probably are not going back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother so, is in is in middle school and he got four weeks off initially and then oh, with really? like tentative future postponements yeah yeah i mean everything is all tentative right now too you know they, like i mentioned the rent earlier my rent got marked down they said for this month and we'll evaluate again in may um mm-hmm. so you know a lot of this stuff is going to be you know taking it day by day to be completely honest um and i think that's the scariest part for markets in general too right it, crypto or equities markets is that nobody knows when this ends you know when you go to war let's say like world war ii we knew when it was over you know like well i I didn't know when it was over but like people knew when it was over right Right. you surrender and then it's over with this stuff it's like it's a war of attrition basically it just keeps going until you get like a a usable vaccine so i want to change the direction a little bit so uh first let's let's talk about who is who's jordan who is uh permeable nino and then from there I don't want to talk about like what we need to do because I don't think any of us know, like especially us, but no one knows. And we especially don't know what needs to get done. What's better is to talk about what does this mean for Bitcoin? What is changing? What could be changing permanently? Um, how is the world changing? I'd prefer to have that conversation. Uh, I'm very cool with that. Um, you want me to get into it? Yeah. So Jordan, so, you know, I know you, you have an accounting background. Why don't you give us like a quick two minutes on, on who you are, what gets you excited about like cryptocurrency, like what are you bullish on? And then we can kind of dive into like how this, these current events are, are kind of mixing in with our passion here. 
I am a, a 2016 Bitcoin guy. I got in January 2016. Uh, I discovered Bitcoin by listening to an A16Z podcast with uh, Mike Casey and Paul Vigna. They're like uh, they were shilling their new book, like the cryptocurrency revolution or something like that. And I was like, I don't know. I was in audit, and you know, audit is just fucking so boring that I was like, I need to do something to, you know, while I'm not at work, I need to be hustling at night to get out of this. Um, What's audit? So, what what is audit? Um, yeah. You basically take a company's internal financial statements and provide third party verification over the validity of the entries that uh, not the entries, but like the the income the financial statements that they provide you with. Because that way, you know, when you you're present like a legacy the, node, you, you're like a what? You're like a legacy node. Yeah, exactly. That's the genius. That's the genius of like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general, right? You get third party verification in real time. For example, like the easiest way that you can already see how Bitcoin uh, chews stuff up is like, you know, in, in audit, for example, you uh, uh, if you want to validate the cash that they claim that a company claims it has on hand, you ask for a bank confirmation and you get that from a third party, which is the bank, right? To confirm the balance that the company claims it had on its financial statements at the end of the financial reporting period. With crypto, it'd be so easy, right? Because you already have the third-party verification if it, got, if it has a certain amount of confirmations in the blockchain, and you can just go compare that to the balance that they have in their wallet or they claim they have on their financial statements, right? But back to my background, though. So I discovered Bitcoin January 2016, and then it took me until summer 2016 probably to understand why Bitcoin, not blockchain. And when that hit, I canceled all my 401k contributions. And I was like, this is fucking it. This is going to be it. And, you know, it seemed relatively cheap at the time. Obviously, I had no clue it could have run to 20K. Um, and then that same summer, actually, I saw Brian Armstrong's blog post on Ethereum. Um, and keep in mind, I was living in New York at the time. So uh, you weren't allowed to buy Ethereum. So what I did is I got my dad, who lives in Georgia, to <laughs> set up a Coinbase account and buy the Ethereum on my behalf. Because I was just like, this is bullshit. I'm not going to like get, you know, because, you know, for me, I, I was really slow moving into the space too. You know, a lot of people in 2017, they're like, they're like immediately just jumped into like shit coining and bouncing around all these different altcoins. For me, I didn't get off of Coinbase for like almost a year. And, you know, for me, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, uh, Coinbase, being on Coinbase used to be the ultimate high signal that something was actually worth holding. Um, so I was like, it's on Coinbase. The UI is awesome there. Bitrix. I remember the only other exchange account I had at the time was like Bitrix or something like that. And I remember opening it thinking this might, they might steal my money. Like the UI was <laughs> so bad. I was horrified. So I got in then and then, uh, yeah, I quit my job in accounting May, 2017. And ever since then, I, after that, I did like a year of traveling through Asia, not like a year, it was like six to seven months through Asia and a little bit of South America. And then, uh, yeah, man, I picked up, moved to the West Coast. And uh, ever since, I've just been like neck deep in on-chain data, mostly Decred data. But now I've, I've actually come back to Bitcoin and, and Ethereum a little bit too. But, you know, all these different coins and blockchains, they have like their own little things that make them tick, you know? So, you know, for example, Ethereum is really interesting. If you do like market cap divided by the blockchain size, you can figure out if Ethereum is relatively overvalued or undervalued. Because, you know, like the big thing with Ethereum is like the size of the blockchain is like a potentially controversial issue, potentially down the road, the blockchain blow. Right. So, you know, it's really ever since I start. So I started with Decred though, in terms of on-chain analysis, cause nobody was doing it. I was like looking around Twitter. And I was like, this, this, this project is like, it, I, I don't know why I, I thought it was cheap at its all time highs. 
I, I'm not gonna even lie. I kind of bought a little bit of the top. It was pathetic. Cheaper now, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's dirt cheap. Um, it's it's funny as a bit as a decred like skeptic hater. It's actually helped me get way cheaper prices on decred. Oh, see, me being a bull completely uh, completely boned me. Um, but you know, I'm just so bullish on the project. So one thing I like to I like to say is that uh, Bitcoin changed the way I look at money, and decred changed the way I look at cryptocurrencies. Um, and the discovery of the way Decred's, uh, hybrid proof of work, proof of stake system works is how I like had like this, like, uh, for me, at least it was like this huge aha moment in terms of how distributed triple entry, high reliability accounting works. And that's why, like, ever since then, I've just been like such a big Decred. And also like it, one, another thing I like is that, you know, most cryptocurrencies don't really have like coherent on-chain data, you know, like Ethereum, Bitcoin and Decred do. But if you look at a lot of other coins, like the shit is like nonsensical. Like you're like, this is just literally pumping and dumping. Basically, there is no like uh, long term trend that's being built here. Right. Whereas with Decred, Bitcoin and Ethereum, there's at least something a little bit more of a semblance of like there's something going on here. There's like an actual base that is like. Uh, so here, here's my pushback on Decred, though. Let's hear it. I think that the on-chain data on Decred is less relevant than Bitcoin or Ethereum because Decred's staking system spins the wheels already. It like like so very few people could make the blockchain look really alive on Decred very you know very trivially. Something about Decred just doesn't yeah, seem right could. to me. I mean, it just doesn't seem right to me. It's not Decred is not the same um, as Ethereum and Bitcoin in terms of liquidity, in terms of like actual Money. real utility and use so like i just something i just don't I, my, i'm skeptical uh there's nothing wrong with that I, I i have no issues with pushback or you guys being skeptics um I, the, my you know decred is substantially more speculative at this point i think is what the argument you're trying to make but because decred's smaller i would completely push back against you decred's on-chain data is substantially higher signal than the both of them i'm sorry that that is the truth um, if you look at Decred's realized price, for example, you know, Bitcoin doesn't visit its realized price for like, it visits it like once every four years. Decred's realized price in bull markets literally holds up the fucking market cap and it holds, it pushes it down in bear markets. It is like the ultimate support and resistance. And that is a function of the fact that you have, uh, you have tickets and standard transacting. Um, so I do agree that from a money perspective, um, Ethereum and Bitcoin are closer to the end goal because of the liquidity that they have. So it's substantially less speculative, but Decred is a good, in my opinion, it's outside of those two, it is the best speculative bet in the space based on what I've seen. And also just, it's just the, from an accounting nerd perspective, the, the I know a lot of Bitcoiners like to push back to like Bitcoin's already secure enough or like Ethereum people like, I think Ethereum or people don't really give that pushback because uh, they don't fetishize super much over the, uh, over like the security of the blockchain. But uh, Decred's hybrid proof of work, proof of stake uh, combination is, it, it is the ideal design for uh, uh, if you're going to do distributed high reliability, triple accounting, triple entry accounting, it is the standard. I mean, it, it, yeah. you're, you're going to have trouble convincing me otherwise, unless you can find somebody with an accounting background that can shoot down um, as to why it's not. Um, right. Okay. So, so I'll give that to you that it is that. Um, yes. It, it seems to me that Decred is building out especially with all this on-chain uh, analytics that's extremely robust and, and super impressive that Decred has produced. Decred has produced a product that is extremely ready and able to catch the torch of the fall 
or of just the, of either Bitcoin or Ethereum dropping the ball when it comes to being internet money. Like it, if that happens, then Decred has got it. Like it's ready to go. Yes. Um, but, but to me, it seems, it seems it's building all of this infrastructure as like it's Bitcoin's plan B. It's, it's internet money's plan B. But like if that torch never comes, then the torch never comes. That is a risk, most certainly. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, what I will say about Decred, though, is that, uh, for example, let's talk about the way shit is right now. Most people did not prepare for what is going on right now. Some of us did. Um, Are you talking about right? Corona? Yeah, just Corona financially, physically, food-wise. A lot of people did not prepare, right? People have not prepared for a rainy day. You do not appreciate Still having not prepared. that. Yeah, I mean, nobody could really prepare for how crazy this was. I mean, I, I remember seeing stuff in Wuhan being like, that's never happening in the States. But back to my point, people don't appreciate having uh, insurance until the place is on, until the house is on fire, basically. That's my point. So I think Decred's biggest issue, and to y'all's point, is bootstrapping liquidity. And I think once Decred, if Decred can accomplish bootstrapping liquidity, I think all bets are, I mean, it, it's fucking on, basically, for Decred. Um, I, I, do you guys agree, or you just like, still think it's like... It's just like, I don't... The, the Decred's big, awesome thing is that it's got governance knocked down. Um but the whole and it also copies the scarcity uh value proposition of bitcoin but also built into bitcoin's value proposition is the ungovernableness of the asset it's it's lack of tinkering it's lack of people so you guys so you guys have this awesome governance system which is super elegant and yeah. just honest it's it's it right to me it rivals it's it's design rivals the narrative of satoshi leaving like that's it's that good but yeah. it's governing over something that itself is better ungoverned like it's 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 an awesome system that is not applied in the right place see that's where i, I don't necessarily completely agree so the way i like to look at investing in the cryptocurrency space is that there's like basically an investor pyramid of like attributes that you want to make sure you have in your portfolio, right? So the dominant hybrid proof of work, proof of stake coin, and the dominant proof of stake coin. Um, then you want to own the dominant that, non-gov. That middle, that middle category is a little bit arbitrary. Wait, why is that, why is that arbitrary? It's the three different things, right? Hi, the hybrid proof of work, proof of stake coin. I feel like the real uh, obvious shelling point ends of the spectrum are the maximal proof of work, maximal proof of stake, and then everything else in the middle is some sort of hybrid, but there's no middle point. I, I actually agree with Jordan that uh, proof of, hybrid proof of work, proof of stake is itself like a sovereign consensus mechanism that's different because um, okay. it's like a two-factor thing. Um, okay. I'm, I'm curious yeah. if other you know, viable consensus mechanisms emerge. And if that means you should also, you know, own other dominant consensus mechanisms. Should you always be hunting for dominant consensus mechanisms? No. Like what matters here? I don't, no. I don't actually agree with that. No. So you don't, you don't want like a crazy wide array of it because there are certain underlying accounting principles that you don't like that don't hold up. For example, like proof of stake in general, I'm still pretty skeptical about it. Cause you know what Decred has that's brilliant is a two factor authentication. I think Bitcoin's biggest weakness is that it doesn't have factor authentication, but you know why it gets away with it is because it's expensive to cheat, right? If you want to mine secretly, secretively, it's expensive. And the way you can reject, like the way that game theory plays out from not only a game theoretical perspective, but just from a raw accounting perspective, it's very simple 
to get over the fact that Bitcoin doesn't have that two-factor authentication. Whereas with proof of, uh, proof of stake, the biggest issue is like, sure, you have attest. You like, I think, David, you feel free to correct me because I'm not an expert on proof of stake. But basically, you have like people that attest to the validity of the block, and then you also not only do they attest to the validity of the block, and then you're like slashing. The problem is, it's all complicated. There's a lot of like, Something I don't know. It, it, to me, it's, it's just messy and there's a lot of room for things to potentially go wrong Man. from a game theoretical perspective. Um, whereas with hybrid proof of work, proof of stake, it's just simple. You have somebody present blocks and you have the stakers uh, authorize the validity or invalidity of it. Okay, so but, continue with your, how do you yeah. mess cryptocurrencies? Okay, so you, we can, we can this is the way I look the whole at way. it. <laughs> I mean, do you guys want to argue the rest of the night? I'm game, I got time. Um, yeah, all right, all right. So hybrid you want to own those three dominant features then you want to own the dominant um governance non-governance and then after that you want to own you it's all the less important stuff but they are important mm -hmm. you know you want to like the you want your coin to have a privacy feature or and some a few other things i can't remember what i have in the pyramid but you got three different levels right there so that's the way i look at it and that's the way i've built my portfolio i'm gonna be honest i only have bitcoin and decred right now i did have mm -hmm. ethereum i sold it it was uh it was a good trade um yeah, so that's the way I, that's the way I construct my crypto portfolio because that's the, like for me. I'm also a man of simplicity, just in general. I don't know if that's the accountant in me or if that's just like I don't want to do the mental extra work to justify and come up with an investment thesis for some of this stuff. Because you know, you know, I think if you just, if I if I understand Ethereum correctly, basically the investment thesis is utility, right? Be useful, and it'll it'll the money the liquidity will show up. Which today. The, how useful Ethereum has been in the application that have been built on top of it. I think the most useful thing that Ethereum did, has done so far, feel free to push back on me on this, was bring on the 2017 bull market in terms of like the ICO bubble and stuff like that. Bitcoiners can push back all they want, but that was, that bubble was sparked by Ethereum. Um, nobody's, because I was in in 2016, nobody was talking shit about Bitcoin. My friends used to laugh at me when I'd go back to, uh, back to Georgia to tell them like about Bitcoin. So Utility is good. And I think with the, the current situation, the way the world's standing, the financial system is wobbling and stuff like that. Um, I am not generally a big Ethereum bull, but if the, if the certain types of applications can be built that are simple, that are actually robust, it's actually decently well positioned to capitalize on people flocking to um, permissionless, censorship resistant, hard-ish money, I guess, in Ethereum's case. I can't even remember how I started on that point. My whole pushback yes. to that is I, I agree, bring the utility, but I think that money is extremely useful and a decentralized network that is uh, hyper secure is extremely useful. It seems like people in Ethereum just don't think that that's enough to bring value. They think that they need to do more. I mean, I agree with both sides of the aisle on this one. Um, you know, for me, uh, it, I, I think the, the money use case is good enough. And I think you're starting to see that already, right? You look at... Uh, you know, I think, you know, if you're like, oh, there's a flock to cash right now, right? And you see people going to banks, withdraw money. Um, they, they have limits on their withdrawals and stuff like that. You start to see where crypto comes into play. You see the inflation kicking in. So you already have like digital money that you can self-custody. You, self you don't actually have to touch it. You don't have to have touch dirty money to exchange it. So the, uh, the crypto use case in Bitcoin particularly is the the thesis is as strong as it's ever been it's about to be proven as right as it's ever been so to uh to your point uh christian i actually completely agree with you but i think there's going to be a combination this i think this next crypto bull market let's just say just assume coronavirus 
you know, it's like a bull in a china shop and it screws shit up for a little bit, but it's not one of those things that is like basically uh, apocalyptic, correct? What it'll really bring, you know, what we've seen with all the way the, the traditional legacy financial system is wobbling and all this other bullshit that's going on is that this might be the first adoption fueled crypto bubble instead of just pure speculation buying and holding coins. Does that make sense? Um, people actually might just straight up, this is the first time the first world has actually needed our digital cash, like needed it. And, you know, necessity- first world in particular. Wait, what'd you say? The first world in particular. And I think you made this point on your podcast, actually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of regurgitating that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think this is the first time the first world's actually needed it. So, you know, we've seen, uh, we've seen nothing but speculative bubbles for Bitcoin, right? This might be the first adoption-driven bubble for Bitcoin. Um, and the, you know, fighting that might be more difficult than people, you know, than people think, you know. So the rules might not apply to, you know, previous bubble rules might not apply to what could potentially be the first inning of the, crypt- of the next Bitcoin slash crypto bubble. I agree with that take. And, and that's something I've heard um... I'm just regurgitated a lot, especially over the last two years. I think Vitalik was actually the first person I heard this from where he said that like the next wave of crypto onboarding, the, the next cycle will be a fundamentals driven cycle. And at this point, like it has to be right. Like we can't have another speculative bubble. Uh, you know, when the last one was just another speculative bubble uh, at some point that runs out, like the narrative runs out and you have to actually have like utility. And in Bitcoin's case, utility isn't just like the liquidity of Bitcoin, but also how usable is, has the companies around Bitcoin made Bitcoin for people? And like the same thing with Ethereum on all of the DeFi applications that, I mean, we started them in, in 2018, but they really didn't get rolling until 2019. But like how usable are they right now? Uh, and I think, uh, and, and I think Nick Carter would, would echo this, um, or I'm probably echoing Nick, Nick Carter is that, it's the dollarization that happens as a result of crypto is going to happen faster than Bitcoinization. Uh, and, and that's just the utility of uh, the, the US dollar tokens on Ethereum are going to provide a lot more near-term liquidity and utility to people. And I think you're right. It all comes down to utility, I think, in the, at least in the near term, because people are always going to ask, like, what does this do for me? And Bitcoin's yeah. utility is also a measure of how easy has Bitcoin become for, by the, by the companies building up upon Bitcoin. That's, that's where Bitcoin's utility comes from, or at least it's utility as a liquidity network is accessed. You know? Correct. Yes, I, I agree. Well, liquidity is big, one of Bitcoin's biggest value props. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that's really interesting to your point, you start talking about tether is like, I, I agree, right? Ethereum, I don't know if you saw the, you've seen these charts like floating around Twitter is that like the USDT, um, based off of Ethereum right now, it's just like mm-hmm. fucking mooned. Um, a lot of Tether has been printed recently. Right. Um, and, I, you know, I talked to Checkmate a good bit and, uh, you know, we chop it up on Telegram and, you know, he's talking, you know, uh, he's, talk- he's, he's not American, right? So he doesn't have like normal access to dollars like we do. And, you know, there's like, it's just this huge global flight to, to the U.S. dollar, right? So like you said to your point, David, about the dollarization, you know, crypto is going to enable easy access that you can get $2. Now, it's not like real, real dollars, right? But to mm-hmm. an extent it is, it's there, you know, like I, I have some USDC or Tether dollars as well, right? right? So like you don't even need to leave the ecosystem, right? Like you can still be a crypto person and have flight to dollars and still be inside of the crypto world. It is brilliant. And, you know, the, I mean, it, that's what's so amazing about what, what's actually, 
Hella good yeah. for Bitcoin. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't well, even have to leave the Bitcoin right ecosystem. You can just stay inside the whole time. <laughs> and you yeah. can put your I mean, block and you can be on the Ethereum blockchain on top of that. What a fucking dream. You're in the God. Ethereum ecosystem. You're not in the it Bitcoin doesn't matter. ecosystem. It's, it's it does so, matter. Uh, it's the Bitcoin ecosystem. The it's whole thing is the Bitcoin, Bitcoin ecosystem. ecosystem. If, you're to- if you're holding your cash on Ethereum. Anyways, yeah. Sorry. Um, I had to get Jordan, go little, for it. <laughs> there's a little nuance in y'all's argument there. Um, I guess you're both a little bit right. Uh, I mean, everything in general that's going on right now, though, you know, like Christian, you said earlier, you know, this, like, this could get potentially really scary and shitty for a while. Obviously, hopefully we all stay like healthy. Um, mm-hmm. and we get over this whole thing, but I think this, the, the crypto money, like, you know, true digitally native scarcity, uh, argument has never been stronger. Right. So I think like, I, uh, like I said before, this will be an adoption driven bubble instead of a speculative bubble, which that's exciting as shit. You know, you look at, uh, do you guys believe in the plan B model, by the way, like the, uh, stock to flow model? Neutral. Neutral. I, I think that it, it's useful right now. We'll see if it remains useful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only issue I find with it, I'm not a stats guy. You know, I'm just like a, a simpleton accountant. He has like this channel drawn and it's like a 100% difference in price drawn channel. And he's like, oh, we're still within the model. I'm like, dude, this thing could go to like 3K and you'd say we're still on track. Um, but that's uh, fair. I think it's fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You guys probably know more than I do. I, I'm just like, like I said, I'm just an accountant. Um, I'm still Stack sets every day. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? Stack sets <laughs> every day. I don't care what the chart says. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I said, I'm still bullish at 3K. However, 1K, I'm like, whoa. Dude, one, I mean, 1K with, well, dude, 1K with a block reward happening, we're fucked. Um, that's why people are like, oh, send it back to 3K. I'm like, fuck that. We already had like the, the minor drawdown. We've already sh- mm-hmm. shaken out all the weak hands. Let's send this puppy upwards. Um, but uh, with the... The whole point reason why I brought that up is right. Basically, the Plan B model says 100k is the next top, basically, right? Not mm-hmm. top, but it's like will be the Give means take. of the average value of the next top. Um, I've actually done my own independent research. It's like much more simple that actually might validate that. Um, I've like my own little version of the Buell multiple. If you guys know what that is, um, oh, so, yeah, it's like it's like a it's a mining thing that you can figure out tops and bottoms in the market. But I do it over like a longer scale than the one he does it. Um, but long story short, you wonder how we get to 100K, right? Because, you know, like, David, like you said earlier, like, this shit can only be speculative for so long. And I think markets, it, it's, fuck, I, I don't even, I almost feel fucked up saying this, but like markets crumbling and be, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies being needed instead of actually just a play toy thing. Like that's like a collectible that is just speculatively pumped by whales over time. You know, mm-hmm. that's how you get to 100K. You graduate into the next tier, mm-hmm. which is like actual adoption. So, right. you know, because, you know, before then, I think I was asking myself this is like, how does Bitcoin get to 100K? Like, how the fuck does that happen when it's just like, I feel like it's been the same people on Twitter for the past like two years. Like since the market top, we washed out all like all the people that all the tourists that showed up for like a quick buck and ended up just giving it all back to the market. And the rest of us are just here just arguing on Twitter. And it's like, where, like, sure, we're all stacking right. stats, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's cute and everything. But, like, we're not going to thread the needle. Like, the, mar- the world yeah. actually has to adopt this for the price to go to something like 100K. Otherwise, it's just completely far-fetched. 
Yeah. Where, um, where, where are the new members of the Fight Club? Where are they? So, I mean, he, here's my pushback to that is crypto Twitter is not representative of the world that's using cryptocurrency. Mm, and it's also true. if you just take a it's minute true. and look around, it's not that hard to figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. The majority of the world is not, you know, Western English speaking people in the cryptocurrency or Bitcoin community. I, something like for every one new entrance into crypto Twitter or crypto ecosystems that have come into the crypto space at large. Exactly my point though, right? So basically you just proved my point though. Right. Yeah, crypto yeah, Twitter is a gauge for like wider spread adoption. I don't think that's far-fetched, right? So, you know, because back, back in the day, like when I got it in 2016, I think Reddit was a little bit bigger. You know, people don't give a shit about Reddit anymore for as far as I'm concerned. I don't mm-hmm. check Reddit. I don't know about you guys. I used to always check like- well, I started there, no longer. And th- I think it's an on-ramp. Enthusiasts graduate to Twitter usually, yeah. at least addicts. Yeah. <laughs> dude, I just can't get over- I can't get over Reddit's UI. Like, I, like, I just I mean, like, dude- I've I, never I, been a Redditor. Dude, I just, I look at it, I'm like, fuck this, dude. I, I'm not looking at this right now. I have a lot of friends that are diehard Reddit people though. Um, David's, uh, David's all about Reddit. Yeah, I like Reddit. <laughs> you, you, better, uh, he's better at Twitter though. <laughs> I, that's where I used to get all my crypto information before Christian was like, you idiot, why aren't you on Twitter? And I'm like, I don't know. And I went to Twitter and I'm like, oh, there's all this activity here. <laughs> What's yeah. going on? I, I love stealing everybody's good info off of Twitter. It's awesome. I, I mean, I feel like I constantly get ideas just from all the smart people. You know, I think for like, I'd say like 85% of like the stuff I see on Twitter is probably just straight trash um, that I don't like. And then like, I think another 10% is funny. And then another 5% is actually insightful. Um, but it's worth it for the five percent. Jeez, I don't know why I went zero. The five percent that is actually like insightful, right? Um, but yeah, I think if you look at uh, you know crypto Twitter, that's a good way to gauge how the actual adoption curve is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for the most part, like I said before, it's been the same people. It's just us here. Um, but I will say, I don't know if this has been the case for you guys. Since things started crumbling a little bit, I've started getting the the trickle of text back in, like. Yeah, is this a good time? Yeah, is this a good time to buy Bitcoin? My goddamn math teacher from high school hit me up on Facebook and it was like, "Hey, David, what's the best way to buy Bitcoin?" And I'm like, well, no you should "Download the Cash App, sir." <laughs> and he goes, "Great, thanks." Well Damn. done, sir. You did a proper Bitcoin maximalist show right yeah, there. Uh-huh. You didn't even Where's give Marty the opportunity to get Ethereum. <laughs> you didn't even I give them just... the opportunity to get Ethereum. <laughs> Look at that. Dude, well, the beam works. <laughs> well dude uh yeah i think i do i want to be honest I, i'm curious if cash app will ever add anything outside of bitcoin because i know uh jack comes off as a pretty uh, hard liner bitcoin maxi a little bit mm-hmm. um i think he dunked on vitalik on twitter if i saw it one time um so you know but yeah that's a that's a good show marty bent would uh would be uh jumping for joy here in that <laughs> um Yo, so we're we're getting close to that hour mark. This was a roller coaster of a conversation. Uh, I think we touched on a lot of different subjects here. Yeah, we got a little weird. I'm sorry that, dude. I'm one of those people that I just I go down a hole and I just run my mouth. So hopefully this wasn't too painful for That's everybody. That's where the content is. Um, no, it's good. There's very good insights in there, and then a little bit of chirpiness, which is fun. Permable. Like, what do you like? Like, what uh, what do you want to tell the audience? What should people be thinking about in these crazy times? I wouldn't underestimate the uh, the undercurrent that's coming to the crypto ecosystem. And I would make sure that you are financially prepared. If you haven't started thinking about it, prepare financially from a crypto, whether it be Bitcoin, Ethereum, and obviously my uh, my baby Decred. 
in cash, like literally just prepare for everything. Cause otherwise, you know, you want to make sure you stay sane alive and then get to enjoy whichever direction things go. Right. You want to be okay. So, um, above all else, just remain healthy and then stay bullish. You can hit me up at permable Nino on it's Nino, no any on Twitter. Um, and yeah, that, that's the easiest way to reach out to me. That's a good sign off. Good sign off. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys, you can find me at CK underscore snarks, but temporarily at POV CryptoPod because I'm not using that account until I get unshadow banned. Oh David, where can they find you? You can find me at Trustless State both on Twitter and on Bankless and on Gitcoin. So the Gitcoin grants is up and running. So if you want to find out what I'm doing with my Gitcoin grants, Oh, snap. I need to figure out where I'm going to link this. I'll have it pinned in my profile, I think, my Twitter profile. Uh, so I'm making an ebook and I'm selling it, and the revenue is going back to Gitcoin for future Gitcoin grants. So if you are interested in funding this ebook, please go to my Gitcoin grants uh, donation page. Go me one die, which will turn into something like 10 die uh, that's matched by uh, the EDF. So I can make this book and sell it for future Gitcoin revenue. It's a good idea, I think. Thank you. All right, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and spreading the wisdom. It was fun. It was fun chatting, man. Likewise, safe. Safe. Yeah, same. Thanks for having me, dudes. Cheers. Peace. Peace. It's up for you too